Nescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo Library with a few pit stops along the way. We play them briefly, we judge them harshly, and we rank them. That is pretty much all you need to know. I'm Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero, and I am ready to beat geese with my power. I hate geese. Those things always always getting into my garden and eating all of my carrots like geese are one to do. Stealing the bell off of your, your little model of the town that you live in. Yeah, I hate that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, no, we're talking about uh, a different geese, Geese Howard, which is a weird name. How do you think, how do you get a name like Geese? I think you have to take that name. I think you have to decide that's the name that you want. And you beat up anybody who says that you shouldn't have that name. I mean, geese are jerks. Like, I think the only way you pick the name Geese is like, I know I'm a jerk. And I'm, in fact, so much of a jerk that I'm like more than one jerk. So I'm not just going to call myself Goose. I am, in fact, no, Geese. That's right. I am enough jerk for multiple geese. That's a It's a statement of intent, really. We're talking about King of Fighters today. Well, actually, no, we're not talking about King of Fighters. No, we're not. We'll be talking about King of Fighters a little bit. They refer to the King of Fighters tournament in, in this game, actually. I think this is where, like, that whole franchise kind of starts i don't know if there was a king of fighters or a another thing before it i think this is the first one actually um and it is fatal fury that is uh the game that we are referring to here uh which we will be discussing on today's show along with two other games yeah we've got the uh the kind of sequel to rival turf uh, brawl brothers and we got cybernator so we're going to be talking about the cyber today yep the cyber is going to be a major topic of conversation so hey, why don't we just uh, why don't we just get into it? Let's start talking about some Fatal Fury. Let's do it. I'm gonna have to catch myself. I'm probably going to call this game Final Fight at some point. It's all it's the double F. It's yeah. It's it's tough for me, but this is a fighting game. This is an SNK fighting game. This is where it all started for the big SNK fighting game franchises. They're kind of a big deal, in case you haven't heard of them. They're, they've been around a while. Uh, Still going today. There have probably been, like, well, how many characters do you think have been in a King of Fighters at this point? Like, over 100, right? Oh, Lord. I'm sure. I mean, I haven't played enough of those games to do, like, uh, even, like, a mental headcount right now. So, like, I don't know how many new characters they introduce per game or how many people get kind of rotated out. But, yeah, they have a lot of characters, and they've made a ton of those games. Uh, King of Fighters is kind of interesting because it was sort of meant to be, like, the... The big crossover thing. It is the Avengers uh, of the SNK universe, you could say. This is where all of their different franchises kind of collide. And there's also like their own story arcs going on with characters unique to King of Fighters. But before that, there had to be an SNK. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the very early start of SNK. I'm not going to go too far into the present. Too too far into the present? Is that that's a weird thing to say? I don't I don't think that makes sense. Let's just roll with it. In any case, um, so SNK started out as Shin Nihon Kikaku, which means New Japan Project. Very original name. <laughs> you imagine starting a company as being USA company. I don't 
I don't know how people would take that, honestly. Another American brand. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they were founded by Ikichi Kawasaki in 1978. It didn't take long for Kawasaki to notice that there was a big arcade boom happening in Japan. They started releasing games pretty quickly, even though they were not a bespoke game company at the time. Uh, 1978 saw the release of SNK's first game, which was called Mikon Kit. Uh, that was an arcade game, which was essentially a breakout clone. Uh, I could not find any footage of this game on the internet, but I did find a few screenshots, and yeah, it's pretty much a breakout clone. About a year later, SNK released... Ozma Wars into arcades, a game that many websites describe as a Space Invaders clone, which I think is a bit reductive. I did find some footage of this game, and I think it's a little unfair to just peg this as a Space Invaders clone. This feels more like an early vertically scrolling shooter. Kind of neat. So they did a lot of games. They released a lot of arcade games in the early years. And despite having already dabbled in the game development business, uh, it wasn't until 1986 that SNK went all in on video game development, at least according to an archived version of SNK's history page. This was also the time at which the company started referring to themselves by the acronym SNK exclusively. I'm not entirely clear on what else the company was involved in prior to this switch. Wikipedia describes them as a stock company, and no other source that I found in my brief researching uh, was any more specific than that. In any case, uh, by 1986, SNK was in the game's business exclusively. This is also the year that they would release their biggest game up to that point, which was Ikari Warriors. Uh, that would be one of their first titles to receive multiple ports to early home consoles. Uh, I mean, technically, there was also Athena a year before that, which saw some ports to other systems. But um, eh, maybe the less said about the NES port of Athena, the better. <laughs> it's a legendarily rough port. <laughs> yeah. In 1988, SNK launched some new hardware that addressed some major problems for the arcade industry. So back then, once players moved on from an arcade cabinet, arcade owners would be tasked with either replacing all of the internals of a machine or just replacing the machine completely. With home consoles, all the hardware was confined to one reusable box with interchangeable cartridges. So it was likely only a matter of time before someone said, hey, why don't we make arcade machines like this? SNK's Neo Geo MVS multi-video system did just that. Instead of having to buy new internals or new machines every time they needed to replace a game, arcade owners could now just buy one machine with the ability to swap out cartridges. The price of a new cartridge would cost about half the price of an entirely new machine. Probably made setup a lot easier as well. A Neo Geo machine could also accommodate multiple carts, allowing players to use one machine to play several different games, one at a time of course. SNK's Neo Geo MVS was also a pretty sophisticated machine for its time, boasting some superior tech to even Capcom's arcade tech uh, around the same period. Uh, this hardware would become the first platform for SNK's fighting games, including the one we are talking about today. And that brings us to Fatal Fury, not Final Fight, Fatal Fury. <laughs> Good job. You got it. I would just like to add that uh, if you are interested in a lot of... Uh SNK's pre-Neo Geo history, the uh, SNK 40th Anniversary Collection that came out, I believe, 
uh, in 2019 uh, is a really good way to to get hands on with with a lot of those games. Uh, it's a very very good collection with a with multiple different like alternate ports of a lot of those games, and even the controls sort of reconsidered uh, for some of the games like Ikari Warriors that don't control very well with like the uh, a sort of direct adaptation of the control steam from the arcades. Yeah, and we'll talk more about SNK because we'll probably be. Um, talking about some more fighting games. Uh, I, th- I think there's a King of Fighters on this system, maybe? So I guess for now, let's talk about Fatal Fury. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and, and say off the top, I think this is a pretty rough port, unfortunately. I did not enjoy playing this or looking at it or hearing it very much. So first of all, I do not know if this is a less than stellar port or if this first Fatal Fury was just maybe a lackluster game to begin with. To be fair, you know, like Street Fighter also had a very rough start. Yeah, it did. The first Street Fighter game is not very fun to play, and I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. This might just be owing to, like, kind of the time frame that, you know, maybe Fatal Fury uh, existed pre-Street Fighter 2, but was taking some of its cues from original Street Fighter. I certainly think this is a better game than Street Fighter 1. I think that's true, too, yeah. For one thing, you get three characters to select from instead of just one. Yes, that's true. They are different characters. They do have different different moves and there's a pretty long uh roster of of uh people to fight against here so you know uh there's there's definitely some meat on these bones i just uh i don't know there's something about this that really kind of bugs me to play and i'm not really sure quite how to describe it like it's sort of like as far as like fighting games that are not street fighter 2 go on the system this one is probably closer to Street Fighter 2 in terms of, like, how it plays than a lot of them are. But it feels strangely flat and kind of cheap. Like, it feels sort of like... Like, uh, I don't know if this makes sense, but the thing I kept thinking of when playing it was that it's sort of like it feels kind of like a, a Newgrounds Flash game ripoff of Street Fighter 2. <laughs> you know, they managed to, like, replicate the controls but not how to make them feel the way they're supposed to feel i also just think you know like the flatness maybe just comes from how lifeless these stages are when you compare them to like the the animated stages of street fighter 2 again this is going to be the the folly of any fighting game that comes out on the super nintendo at this point is that street fighter 2 already exists you have to compete with that and very few games if any are up to that task on this system anyway so structure wise, yeah, you're you can pick one of three characters at the beginning of the game, and then after picking that character, you're given uh, four different options for your initial starting stage, and you you fight whatever fighter is is in that stage, and then go on to fight the rest of them, interspersed with uh, a, a bonus stage where somebody throws tires at you from off screen, and you have to hit them as they're coming in. I was completely defenseless against the tires. Yeah, that was a bad bonus game, and I did not enjoy playing it. Uh, and then eventually, it all it all winds up with a, a fight with uh, the big bad boss man, Geese Howard himself. Yep, and uh, I did not make it that far. No. No, uh, another interesting thing about this is that there is a two-player mode, and the second player can play as most of the rest of the cast, if not all of the rest of the cast. So 
characters that are unavailable, I believe, in one-player mode are available to the second player if you're playing uh, competitive two-player. It's just kind of a different paradigm for designing a fighting game than the Street Fighter II paradigm. Uh, unfortunately, I do think it's appreciably less good than that, but it's hard to fault them for not being able to see into the future and do the same thing that Street Fighter II was doing. Well, again, I, I would say maybe you know you have these characters... They are playable. Why not just let the player play as any of them? I, I guess I, I don't understand why you wouldn't do that. I, I mean, I guess that's right. You know, I mean, I say, yeah, you know, it's not like they could see into the future, but that does seem like a pretty obvious thing that would just make the game better. So I don't really know. I didn't really enjoy the act of playing this game with any of the any of the selectable player one characters. And I think it's a pretty unattractive game. The sprites are sort of like muddy and not, not super detailed. The backgrounds aren't that interesting or well animated. Uh, though I did like the weird amusement park background with like evil trees in it uh, and a big pirate ship. That's fun. I don't know. The, the music is also pretty bad too like it's it's i would say some of the least technically accomplished music i think we've heard in a while on the super nintendo yeah all around i i'm pretty disappointed by this one but again you know i mean this this game had to stumble so that later uh final fatal furies and king of fighters could do their awesome karate and muay thai and capoeira and everything else that they do so do we want to go over to the list with this one let's do it so i'm trying to think of another you know maybe lackluster fighting game that we didn't like quite as much but isn't terrible i don't know it, it's really felt like feast or famine with fighting games on the system so far <laughs> it really has yeah there's not a ton in the middle which is to say it's felt like street fighter 2 and everything else yeah it's uh it's pretty true well so, obviously, I think we can say it's better than Doomsday Warrior. That's a really rough game. Uh, what do you think? How do you think this compares to Power Moves? Hmm. I mean, Power Moves actually lets you play as the entire cast, right? Yeah. And I wouldn't say that Power Moves is actually, like, less fun to play than this. Yeah, neither neither would I, really. Um, yeah, I think I might put this below power moves, actually. I, I almost can't believe I'm saying it. Thinking about them as like a head-to-head matchup, yeah, I, th I think I'm in agreement with you there. So that's good. We've got a range of, uh, yeah, about 10 games here, actually, between power moves and Doomsday Warrior. I think it's fair to say this goes somewhere in the middle. I guess, you know, we could ask the question, is this even a top 100 game? Like, we've got Roadrunner's Death Valley Rally at number 100. Do you think this is... I think this might go below that honestly i think so too i i just i don't think it's graphically as impressive as that game was um and i will say too you know like capcom fighters and snk fighters have very distinct looks and i think that the capcom look just sort of translates to the sns better just based on what the kinds of games that we've seen on there, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think that SNK goes for, like, you know, more embellished, detailed sprites, and I don't think those make the transition quite as well as the sort of, like, really stylized, really dynamic-looking Capcom sprite work. So, yeah, I think it's just sort of a worse fit, and it's not it's not particularly they haven't tried that hard it seems like to adapt it to kind of the strengths of the super nintendo okay so i'm trying to narrow down the range a little bit more here so we got roadrunners death valley rally is the new ceiling 
I would say James Bond Jr. is maybe the new floor. I wouldn't put this below James Bond Jr. I guess the only question here then is where this ranks in terms of King Arthur's World and Test Drive 2, The Duel. Yeah. My feeling off the top of my head is probably that I'd put this right below King Arthur's World. Just because I, I, I at least think King Arthur's World had a more had more interesting ideas. I think this is maybe a slightly more successful game than King Arthur's World. That's fair. Okay, so are, are you okay with putting it above King Arthur's World? You're, you're right. I'm thinking back on King Arthur's World and just how borderline non-functional some of that, some of those control setups were. Yeah, let's go ahead and put it right below Roadrunner's Death Valley Rally and right above King Arthur's World, uh, making Fatal Fury our new number 101 game on the list. It's all right, I guess, you know. It's okay. It's I mean, there's a lot of games on this list now. That's not the bottom reaches of it by any means. Nope, no, it is not. Yeah, uh, hopefully SNK will do better the next time we see them. And now we are going to move on to Brawl Brothers. Everybody's second or third or maybe fourth favorite set of brothers on the Super Nintendo. You've got the Mario Brothers, obviously. Yep. Uh, you've got the the Buster Brothers. Yeah. Um, do, do we have more brothers on the list right now? I, mean, I think actually that might be the only brothers we have on the list right now. I don't know if Joe and Mac are supposed to be brothers, but they're not. That's not in the name of the game, so. I think you're right. I think that these are by default probably the the third most uh, most beloved brothers on the system. And interestingly enough, I do not think this game actually features any brothers. Nope, I don't think so either. Uh, I think they just sort of, much like Rival Turf, I think they just sort of picked that that title out of thin air. <laughs> so yeah, like we were talking about with Rival Turf. Uh, this comes from a series called Rushing Beat. That is a series of three side-scrolling brawlers, belt scrollers, I guess you could say. And when they localized them here in America, they, for whatever reason, pretty much took all the story out, changed the character names to the point that these games are not in a in one continuous story anymore, which is a shame because you got characters like Spike in here, who is very obviously supposed to be Ozzy or Uzi from from Rival Turf. But he's not now. He is called Spike. So this is another belt-scrolling brawler. You play as one, or actually you play as several of uh, among five selectable characters, and you're going around and beating people up. I do not know what the story here is because they... They, they took it out. Jalico does what Jalico wants, I guess. Certainly their American division does. Yeah. Well, their American division doesn't want to do anything. So I guess they're just like, ah, just take it out. It, it, it's fine. It's, it's less to localize. It's fine. Who needs a story in their video games? There's not really a whole lot to say about this. Is This is a pretty bog standard beat em up. Um, it, it does do a few interesting things that I want to talk about really quick. From the outset, you get to select two characters. Those two characters, anytime you lose a continue, you can switch between them. The other characters that you do not select will come back as bosses, and bosses are kind of randomly selected in each stage. So you never know who you're going to be fighting at the end of any given stage, which is kind of an interesting thing. Once you beat a boss, that character is now on your team and becomes selectable from that point forward. 
again, because they don't have any kind of story, I don't know if this is because, like, they've all been brainwashed and you need to get them back to your side. I don't know if you're supposed to be, like, uniting rival gangs by beating their leaders. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we, we may never know. Like the the question of how many licks it takes to the get get to the center of Tootsie World Pop. Uh, the world may, may never know, and neither will we. They all give the same line of dialogue after you beat them. I guess I could have looked for an instruction manual on this one to see if maybe they, they embellish it a little bit, but uh, I was having a kind of Jalico sort of day, and I didn't feel like doing that, so I didn't. Didn't, didn't feel like putting in the effort. <laughs> right. Uh, and yeah, there's, there's a total of five selectable characters who all play fairly differently, which is good, considering that, you know, you, you would hope they would have you know, five different actual control variances set up if you're you're going to have that many characters. Unfortunately, that does mean that some of them are a lot less effective than others. I would say two of them, at least two of them are almost unplayable, and that would be um, Spike and the ninja guy, whatever his name was. I don't even know. Um, I've, I had uh, some luck using the other big guy who's wearing like a, I don't know, uh, like, like a judo uniform i think i think he might be a grappler um he was okay i thought hawk was a pretty decent fighter and also wendy was a really good fighter for me as well wendy was my favorite one she has she's fast and she she does some wrestling moves uh and she just she feels good to control it's easier to not get kind of locked up in uh you know parts of the stage with her and it feels like she's she's like pretty effective against all the different types of enemies so she was sort of my main for this uh but yeah this is pretty it has pretty standard you know belt scrolling brawler controls you know pretty familiar if you played not just rival turf but also final fight uh you know you have a jump you have punches and kicks you can grab enemies and throw them which actually feels really good in this game the enemies are mostly what you would expect there are some ones that are kind of a little bit stranger there's a whole class of enemies that are these people wearing these really strange like robotic armatures on their upper bodies and they show up in the first level and are a pretty constant thing in what is otherwise a fairly sort of like gritty like city setting yeah the the guys wearing the weird um what do they call them from alien or aliens yeah yeah they look like they're kind of wearing like a slimmed down version of a power loader from aliens basically and they they like to walk up behind you and give you wedgies i is how i was reading that <laughs> yeah no that's totally what it looks like they like lift you up by like the back of your pants and it super looks like they're just giving you a wedgie very undignified yeah i was just like oh great more wedgie robots are here wonderful Um, yeah, so another thing that I found kind of annoying about this game is that whenever an enemy is down, you can just kind of walk over them and just attack, and you'll basically force a wake-up on them, like force them back to their feet and just keep hitting them, and you can kind of just infinite combo pretty much any enemy in the game once you've gotten them down once. But they can kind of do that to you too, so this game always just became a race to... Okay, get everybody on the ground so that I can just sort of infinite combo them before they can do that to me, and the game is just over, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. I never really found an effective way of approaching most bosses other than just burning through a lot of lives and continues. There's there's some issues here. If if all of this were, were the only problem, I would say, eh, this is a pretty middle-of-the-road middle kind of game. What I think really 
really aggravated me with this game was that in the second stage, they institute these weird maze-like mechanics where you have to go through certain doors that you see in the background to get to different sections of the level, and you have to navigate them in the right way or else you'll just keep looping around. And it is really, really annoying. I don't know why anybody thought it was a good idea to implement mechanics like this in a brawler. And it's really bad, too, because the various parts of that level that you're having to kind of navigate through all look identical or they look close enough to each other that it's impossible to tell whether you're actually making progress or just going in circles. It's terrible, and it is utterly ill-conceived for this type of game. Yeah, I only made it through that stage because I just looked up a walkthrough and, and just found the most efficient route and got out of it. But then there was another stage where they do something similar. There's these elevators at the end of each level, because of course there's elevators in a brawler. Uh, and you have to go up, fight somebody in a room, and then go back down. And I kept doing this, but then I realized, wait, I'm going in a loop. Why am I going in a loop? And I could not figure out how to break. It didn't seem like it was giving me the option to do anything else other than what I was doing. And I, I couldn't figure out how to get out of the loop. And it, I think by like the third time I was repeating the loop, I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm just done with this game. Yeah. And I mean, like the stages that are not maze stages are still, I feel, mostly a little too long and they don't have enough gimmicks or, you know, events happening in the levels to make it not feel monotonous. So that's already a problem. And then you get to one of these maze stages. And if you're not going in the right direction, these things genuinely can go on forever. And it sucks. It's a really bad choice for a brawler. Like th this is a genre of games that thrives on constantly presenting you with new and novel things. Uh, at least in like terms of like graphics and changes to like the stages and stuff. And there is just not enough of that here, even, even without the annoying mazes. Like it's bad. Yeah. It's a really poor choice. And some of the gimmicks that are implemented here are pretty bad as well. Like there's uh, landmines in the jungle that are very hard to get around. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, an area where there's a lot of holes in the floor where, unfortunately, as Wendy, I would find myself accidentally grabbing somebody and then like doing a backwards um, pile driver. The, the hole would be behind me. I'm trying to walk away from the hole, but then I grab onto an enemy and do the reverse pile driver. And then it just sends me falling off a cliff. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, that's bad. There were some areas with, with electrified floors. That part was actually fun because it was pretty easy to just throw the dudes onto the electric floors and then watch them get zapped every time they tried to stand up. That was actually kind of funny. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I didn't enjoy this game. I don't think it's as good as Rival Turf. Um, again, you know, we talked about, you know, the problem with like some really flat, lifeless backgrounds. That's like really obvious here because there are stages in which there are people in the background, but they don't move at all. Right. They've just drawn them into the background. They're they're just like a still image. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like drawn in like half action poses, you know, like somebody like looking like they're about to start cowering because, oh, hey, a fight has just broken out on their weird jungle airbase or whatever the hell. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like you're just seeing them perpetually like half crouched or whatever. And it's, it's just weird. I was hopeful that, you know, the sequel to a game that we genuinely like were surprised by how much we liked would would have a little more than this going on. But yeah, it doesn't really have a lot of the charm that Rival Turf did. And it it just sort of takes the basic mechanics and spreads them too thin and makes them all way worse. 
it's it's a shame because with Rival Turf, you had a game that was pretty fun, had a lot of charm, but also a lot of jank. And like instead of deciding to make a game like that, but you know, making it more polished and a more playable experience. They they just made more of it, yeah. Just decided to go hog wild with all these weird mechanics that don't work and aren't fun. Yeah, it's it's a real shame. And uh, with that, do we want to go to the list and see where this one goes? Let's do it. All right, so I'm trying to look for some other brawlers here. I mean, it shouldn't be too hard to find. There's quite a few of them on the list already. So yeah, uh, we got Final Fight at 62. I think, obviously, I would not say this game's as good as that. I don't think I would either. Although, I mean, I, I will say I do think this game has co-op, so... Yeah, that does help. But it is still a pretty lifeless game, even more than Final Fight with its, you know, severely cut down production values and everything else. I think I'd rather play Super Nintendo Final Fight than, than Brawl Brothers. Uh, what else do we have here? What other brawlers do we have nearby? Is is Final Fight the lowest rated brawler we have? There must be one that's lower than that, right? It might be, actually. Because, you know, when we went back to it, we said, oh, wow, it's even worse than we thought it was, actually. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So this this might be the, our new lowest ranked brawler now. <laughs> Woof, yeah. Um, Yeah, so how far do you think this one goes? Like, I was maybe thinking Super Valis 4 might be a good place to talk about uh, that's at number 73 right now yep and yeah super ls4 also has has some just very boring stages that try to stretch some thin mechanics way too thin yeah i mean i would say i do think super valis 4 is probably a nicer looking game than this in some ways i think it at least has better animation yeah i think it's a more mechanically solid game too though so i might keep going down from there uh we got spider-man and the x-men at 74 the, uh, no, I, I think I think Spider-Man the X-Men is better than Brawl Brothers. I don't know if I would put it above Lagoon at 75 either. Mm -hmm. I would say Cool World is almost immediately like <laughs> unplayable in a way because it's just so baffling as to what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, with with Brawl Brothers, you at least have to get to the second part of stage one before that happens. <laughs> That's true. And I and I do think that, you know, probably it is a more it is a more mechanically fun game to play than cool world you know uh even though i think that cool world does have some real like novelty factor you know so i don't know yeah maybe this goes right above cool world how do you feel about that i think i'm okay with that so this is gonna be our new 76 so you know what congratulations brawl brothers you ultimately did not do too badly here yeah i don't know if that's what that says right now if that says that like maybe the super nintendo library isn't as strong overall as we thought it was or if brawl brothers is maybe just not that bad i mean playing this with a friend probably wouldn't ruin your weekend right no i think if you rented this based on it having cool box art i assume it had cool box art from like blockbuster and and played it with your your friend over the weekend you'd probably have an okay time for the second part of the first stage though is, is going to be rough if you don't have like a guide to get you through that though I w uh, yeah true true yeah like oh god why did they put that in there why did they why would they even put that i do not i do not know I, I have no idea honestly you know no joke if that section was not in this game i would probably put this above um final fight. Yeah, I think this could go up like a full 20 places on the list without without that that stupid second stage. Yeah, it's honestly like that poorly conceived of a concept for a game like this. It, it is that bad. It just stops the momentum of the game dead 
as well. Is you're just getting started. Like, you just... Yeah, whoever had that idea when making this game, shame on you. <laughs> All right, well, I guess we're going to move on to the last game for today, which is Cybernator. It's Cybernator. So, we talked about this one a little bit back when we uh, discussed it when talking about a Nintendo Power issue from, I think, like two months back now. Yeah, I think that's right. This one had us pretty excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we said, you know, hey, this one looks really cool. We Neither of us were terribly familiar with it. I didn't remember it at all. Um, no, me, me either, yeah. And I will say, I think, at the very least, it met our expectations. I would say probably exceeded them. It certainly exceeded mine, because I thought this was a really cool game, and I had no... I had no expectations going into this aside from it looking pretty interesting from the Nintendo power spread. But I actually think that Nintendo power article sort of undersold this game because this is a, uh, a really interesting, really cool side scrolling platformer shoot 'em up hybrid. It has some uh, auto-scrolling kind of uh, the horizontally scrolling shooter bits intermixed with kind of much longer sections where you are controlling this big, and it feels big, uh, uh, mecha robot in these these levels going through this Gundam-ish future war scenario. I genuinely think this is this is one of the most engaging and and just all around cool games that we've played in quite a while. Do you have any info on kind of the background of this game before we get into discussing it? Uh, no, no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> no, I, unfortunately, I, I didn't dive too much into this one. I do know we will be talking about uh, the company that made this one when we get to Ranma One Half Hard Battle or... Maybe the other game that was a Ranma game... That is not anymore. <laughs> ...wasn't when it got here. Yeah. That might actually be coming up first. Yeah, and uh, so that company is called Messiah, and they're the developer of this game. This game was published in the uh, West by Konami, which, interestingly, this game actually has a, a pretty significant amount of story and some very anime sort of cutscenes. And Konami has elected to not really touch that too much. The localization, aside from changing the name of the game from this is part of the Assault Suit series. Uh, I believe it was like Assault Suit Valkus. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And aside from changing that name to Cybernator, they haven't really done much to, you know, kind of scrub this game's original identity out. The game starts with a fairly lengthy story setup cutscene explaining that you are this guy, Jake. He's a soldier who's been kind of drafted into this war between two major powers that uh, are kind of fighting for control over the sort of territory of outer space in the near future. You know, they're fighting over uh, access to the moon, access to space. And there's not really much of a sense of one of these sides being the good guys and the bad guys. It's all just soldiers trying to survive, basically. The overall tone is like, it it is quite in line with like uh, classic, you know, mobile suit Gundam where there's a lot of stuff just about like kind of the soldier's mentality and about trying to make your way forward and and survive and 
be as ethical as you can be on the battlefield. And the fact that I'm actually talking about all this stuff in the context of a game where you walk to the right and shoot things a lot is kind of remarkable for the Super Nintendo, because they did not need to go as hard as they do with the story here. But it's pretty cool that they did. Yeah, the, the only thing that I can sort of think of right now when I think of like story heavy side scrollers like this might be something like Zardion, which uh, this game is much, much better. It's much better. Yeah. <laughs> but what really blows me away with this game is the production of it. There is so much going on. These levels are absolutely packed. Um, they look amazing. Uh, like if you shoot a wall, like you'll see little indentations in the wall where your bullet hit it and, and they, they stay there. There's like a sense of permanence to it. Um, there's just so much detail here. The, um, you know, your mech looks great. It's got it, it. It has a lot of animation to it. Like it, it, you know, feels like it is, you know, they've really tried to kind of capture the feel of you moving around in this big clunky machine. And it's really cool to see like kind of the different things like the uh, uh, sort of the rotating like firing cylinders on its like main weapon, uh, the way it's you know these like kind of panels kind of flip down when you do the like dash forward move with it uh, it looks really good all the enemy cannons and everything look really good um there there's a lot of stuff trying to kill you almost overwhelmingly so at first and this does mean that you know this game is going to take a little bit of time to get used to there's so many ways you can go about the first level you know you can take the enemies head on they're like little routes that sort of go under a lot of the level that you can just kind of sneak into and avoid a lot of that it's almost like a sonic the hedgehog level there's a lot of different ways you can approach it yeah that's true actually but of course you know your your cybernator is much slower than a speedy hedgehog so you can well you kind of get to meander through the levels a little bit more and, and you know kind of take everything a little bit more thoughtfully again the sort of platformer that the super nintendo is best at you know look at something like super mario world you know that's what the system was was for and it, it just looks amazing great soundtrack menus and stuff like that all look good like I, even when I died, like the continue screen looked impressive. Yeah, it's really cool. It's it's animated. It's it's got lots of neat little moving things on it. One thing I find very impressive is that from from everything I played of this game, the performance is like rock solid. Like there's no real slowdown, even when there's a ton of stuff happening on screen. Yeah, I didn't notice a lot. I, I didn't really notice any. So yeah, that was all really good as well. I think my my gripes with this game are going to be mostly nitpicks before I, we just kind of go back to just talking about. How amazing it is, but I don't like that the game interrupts the action at times to, you know, receive like a message from your yeah uh, superior Kriya. She's giving you like mission objectives and stuff, and you know updates on like how damaged your your robot is and things like that. So I wish that they didn't have to do that. I wish that maybe like you know they would just give you a little alert and you could you know maybe Metal Gear esque like just pause the game and yeah that really would be better i was not a huge fan of that either also apparently um just looking at the wikipedia article really quick i guess that those little dialogue bits were supposed to be accompanied by character portraits but they took those out of the localized version over here which is kind of a shame i think that would have helped honestly because it's very jarring when the text when when the the game just sort of freezes mid-action and you just see some text scroll across the bottom of the screen i think that having a little bit more embellishment there would have really helped make that feel less jarring. Yeah, I would have preferred to have character portraits. I do feel like at times, like the characters, as much as they are a presence there, aren't surfaced quite enough to make me connect with them, and which I think would help pull me into the story even more. Yeah. So that's kind of a shame. Um, 
that second level was overwhelming for me. Like there is so much garbage just shooting stuff at me. I feel I felt like walls were just shooting at me, like not even walls that looked like they had turrets on them. Just like this wall, I think, just wants to kill me with laser fire. I think right now. This game does a couple of things that are kind of interesting with how the levels are designed. It is a really cinematic game, and pretty much every level is trying to do something different, like conceptually, with sort of like, you know, how you're moving through it or how much the story that's happening right now around you is is impacting what's going on in the level. Uh, and because there's like several levels early on in the game that are set in space, you have a lot more freedom of vertical movement in those than you do in, in a lot of the later levels, from what I can tell. That does mean that there's just like a lot of stuff happening all around you in, in these early levels, especially. I think that it kind of benefits from taking the levels slowly and kind of combing through them uh, when you can. Sometimes there is like an actual time limit, but when there's not, you can usually find a lot of power up and health refills and things by by kind of just exploring these levels while you're going through them. But yeah, the, the game doesn't necessarily suggest that that's like the way to tackle these things. I feel like it's a little worth talking about like how the game controls because it's a little different than what you, what you might be thinking. You know, it's a side-scrolling platformer for the most part, but it is very committed to the idea that you are controlling this big machine instead of like a person in a spacesuit with a bunch of guns or something. Um, You know, so basically your mech moves pretty slowly, but it does have a pretty much endless dash move you can do where it kind of hunkers down onto these sort of treads and just rolls forward like a tank. Uh, It also has a jump, which you feel heavy when you use that jump. And the jump has in... In levels where there's atmosphere, uh, there's there's a jetpack that you can use for limited amounts of time. In levels that are set in space, there, there's not really a limit on that. And there's also kind of like a, a turret motion to your your gun, where you can kind of move that independently of the direction that you're facing. And all of this combined, I think it does take a little bit of getting used to, but once you do, it's actually very functional, and it really does kind of sell the the fantasy of of controlling this very large dangerous machine you can change your weapon from your regular gun to other guns that you get throughout the game or even just like a punch which i never found all that useful no me either i think there's also a shield that you can bring up that i I would just kind of forget to use quite frankly so maybe like in some ways it's almost over designed but for the most part yeah like i loved the dash i loved being able to like dash forward and then if i needed to just straight up reverse like your mech doesn't even change direction you just start dashing in the other direction which was neat the jet assisted jump is really nice you know once i kind of got the hang of going from a dash to a jump it almost felt like almost felt like Mega Man x dash jumping yeah yeah i thought a little bit about that too for sure i would have needed to spend some more time with this game to really wrap my head around the controls but i was really enjoying my time with them you know until i got to the second level and just got creamed but again i probably just need to 
get good. <laughs> Some other things I really like about this game are the bosses. Like the first level, it isn't just a straightforward like, hey, there's a guy shooting at you. You shoot back at him. It's like there's an there's this new prototype engine or something like that that they're slowly rising into this space station. And if you don't destroy it, it'll fire a big laser at your ship, which is sort of docked with with the ship and uh, with, with the thing you're attacking and destroy it. There are some bosses that are just giant, like multiple screens tall. You were telling me about an encounter that sounds really interesting in a level that I didn't get to. Yeah. Yeah. So the um, the third level in this game has you kind of infiltrating this big uh, floating like space station base. And once you get inside it, the enemies that are controlling the base decide to activate the engines and drop the base onto the Earth uh, and kill a bunch of people. So the boss fight of that, there is actually a big guy and there is a big like robot that's trying to, to destroy you. But the the actual like win condition for it is you you have to be like you have to go around the the surface of the base and destroy the engines that are pushing it towards the earth. You can fire at the the boss, but you are not going to actually like win that way. And there is a time limit during this. So it's a little bit, it, it feels a little bit like kind of the like Metroid escape sequence thing. And it's very cinematic. It's very cool. Everything's kind of red lit. And there's like little like coronas of, of uh, friction around everything from, you know, the fact that the, the ship is like close to like entering the atmosphere. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's really neat. Uh, and yeah, there are, there are a few different things like that in this game where the sort of quote unquote boss fight is not quite the thing you would expect it to be. Yeah, the boss fights are really cool. There's some really cool stuff going on with scale in this game as well. Like in some stages, you'll see regular people just sort of operating the machinery or running away or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're tiny. Yeah, you get a sense of how large you are, which means you get a sense of how large those bigger robots are when you face them. It, it's all just really cool. I have to say, like, this is probably the closest thing to, like, a hidden gem on the system that I think we've seen yeah. since we've been doing the show. Like, this is one neither of us had really heard of. It is weird that this one isn't talked about more, even in retro circles. I, I really, I don't hear this name come up. I know. This is an absolutely great-looking game, if you like challenging platform games, kind of like Contra, you know, that sort of thing, or Metroid, Super Metroid, you'll probably like this. If you like challenging shooters, there's probably something to enjoy about this. Yeah, just a really fantastic game all around, really well produced. And I am surprised this one does not get talked about more. But it, this this is I would say this one's almost a, a, an essential game to try if you're a big fan of retro games and Super Nintendo games specifically. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's super cool, and I'm really glad that that we have happened upon it in our, our trip through the library. So I guess, unless... Unless there was anything else you wanted to touch on here, I think we're going to go to the list. Let's go to the list. So, first question I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> is this a top 20 game? I'm looking at number 20. It is The Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse, and I think this is easily a top 20 game. Yes, I agree. I think this is a better game than that. Uh and I think that it is so strikingly a different thing than a lot of these games that I think that I would even maybe go up a little further. Yeah, I might um, be a little controversial here and say I think I would go back to this before I would go back to Contra 3. 
Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, actually. Uh, I think this game is more, honestly, just more interesting than Contra 3 in some ways. Well, I think this game is more flexible than Contra 3. I think Contra games, for the most part, really expect... They, they expect perfect play, basically. Yeah. Where this game is, I feel like, is a lot more flexible. You can you can meander and, and kind of go through it at your own pace to some extent. I just think that makes for a much more interesting gameplay. So now we have a new question. Mm-hmm. Because right above that, we've got Star Fox at number 14. That is the highest ranked game of 1993. Does Cybernator become our newest highest ranked game of 1993? So this might be the rush of having found something uh, really unexpected that I think is really cool. But I am going to say I think I would probably point somebody towards this over Star Fox. I think I might, too. Not that I don't like Star Fox. I, I think that Star Fox does some really amazing things, but I also feel like there is a sense of, like, that game feels like it is ready to fall apart. <laughs> yeah. Where, yeah. Th- like, th- this thing just feels like it has been polished. It, it is just just so solid. So we keep going up, then we got Top Gear at th- number 13. Mm, a pretty different game. Very, yeah. Also also a, a kind of a hidden gem. I mean, I think Top Gear is much more well-known than Cybernator in some ways, but it was sort of unknown to us, so we got a good, a good jolt out of finding that one, too. Where would you say is definitely the ceiling for this one? I might say Act Razor okay. is the ceiling for this one for me. I could hear an argument against that if if you think it goes higher. It's almost a part of me that wants to argue for that, but I I don't think I can make it because also I honestly I'd, I'm not sure I would put this above UN Squadron. Yeah, I don't know that I would either. Uh, but that's a rarefied company, honestly. Yeah. So we got two racing games then: Super Mario Kart and Top Gear. We do. This is really hard to compare something like this to racing games. Um, the barrier to entry is going to be a little bit higher for this one than it would be for a game like Mario Kart. I, I think that, you know, this does require an amount of skill that prevents it from being like a drop in and play and immediately have some fun out of the box kind of game that Mario Kart is. And also it doesn't have anything like the battle mode that kind of extends the the fun you can have with it uh, the way that Mario That's Kart true. does. I don't, does. Does this game even have a two player mode at all? I believe it is purely a one player game. Yeah, I think so, too. So I guess we're right back to Top Gear. Um, This is either going to go above or below Top Gear, it looks like. So I think Top Gear probably has like more content than this. But Cybernator is uh, is is such a a cinematic experience. I don't know that you can hold that against it necessarily. Yeah, Cybernator really does just do everything. So like almost everything so pitch perfect that like it really does feels like a prestige experience, like like something that would be like the equivalent of a Last of Us today or something like that, where, where everyone just looks at it like, oh, it just seems like they did everything right with The Last of Us. Yeah, you know what? Let's put it between Super Mario Kart and Top Gear. Yeah, we'll just break up those two racing games. Sounds good to me. But yeah, I didn't expect that we would find something else that would go this close to the top 10, honestly. I, you know, when I was kind of playing this, I kind of felt like this feels like that sort of experience to me where like this is that caliber of game, honestly. And like I said, it is difficult. However, I happen to have a little tip for y'all if you're trying to get into Cybernator for the first time that might help you out. Ooh, let's hear it. This is uh, Steampunk Link's Tip Corner. So uh, something I discovered through some game facts and everything. If you can get through the first level... 
with a score of zero. So what you have to do is you have to completely avoid all confrontation. Do not shoot anything except for the boss, the, the engine thing that's being raised up into the ship or whatever it is. If you can destroy that and destroy nothing else, you will get a special plasma cannon attached to your, your mech for the rest of the game, as long as you do not die. I, I did discover that if I died and continued, I, I seem to have lost it. But um, that thing is very powerful, and it makes the rest of the game a lot easier, I am told. So, All right. There you go. There's a little, little tip for you. All right. Counselor's Corner up in here. Right, yeah. Classified information. <laughs> we have our own classified information bump now, I guess. <laughs> so there we go. New number 13. That is exciting. Very exciting. I am very pleased that we've uh, we found something as, as high quality as Cybernator. Uh, just just kind of kicking around in, in the middle of uh, some other games that were not nearly <laughs> as good. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But still, you know, hey, another top... 100 game which is you know on a list that is now uh 173 games deep you know that's that's not bad we're approaching that 200 there well what do we have to look forward to next time uh when i said we'll be talking about that ranma game that's not a ranma game we'll be talking about that next time because we got street combat oh all right there it is uh, I'm pretty sure that is the game. Um, if I'm wrong, then I will correct myself next time. Uh, we've also got Outlander, which is a game that was supposed to be a uh, Mad Max game, I believe. And yep. they couldn't get the license. Just barely not a Mad Max game. Yep. And then we've got Super Ninja Boy, which I don't think was ever meant to be anything other than that. Though, I, again, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe maybe it's actually some obscure anime that I don't know. Yeah, you know. We'll find out next time, I suppose. Join us next time as we dip our toes into the uh, the wide, wide world of licensed properties that are not. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, until then, uh, I am Emmy Zero. I'm Steampunk Lake. Play it loud. Our intro-outro song is How Now Brown Cow by Technoaxe, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty-free at technoaxe.com. That's T-E-K-N-O-A-X-E dot com. But before any of that, there was Final Fight. F nope, F Fatal Fury. See, I did it. I you did it. Just did it. <laughs> <laughs> I, there wasn't a bit, I swear. Final Fury. Fatal Fight. First of all, I do not know if this is a less than stellar port or if this original King of Fire. Sorry. Oh, my God. So I'm going to mess up this name so many ways. You know, Solar Jetman, any any of the Sonic Blast Man. Sonic Blast Man was the other one I was thinking of. Not not Solar Jetman. That's a very different game.